Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Childers back with Briefly Legal, the podcast brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. I'm here in the Crow's Nest in downtown Oklahoma City. Today, we're going to be talking about the alphabet soup of healthcare law and specifically HIPAA. That is not what is used to describe uh, my cool lifestyle, HIPAA. Uh, No, it's in fact something much more complicated, and that's why I've brought in a source expert from the law firm to talk about these topics today, and that is Maggie Martin. Say hello to everybody, Maggie. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here today. Well, we're glad to have you. I am... You know, in this position where I know just enough about HIPAA and healthcare issues to be dangerous, but I always know that when I get into these topics in any kind of depth, I turn to the experts in Crow and Dunleavy's healthcare group that you're a member of. And so I'm really excited to have you here just to let everyone out there know just a little bit more about Maggie. Maggie is a a director based in our Oklahoma City office, and she is, as I mentioned, a member of the healthcare practice group. She served for more than a decade as an in-house legal counsel for one of the largest healthcare organizations in Oklahoma, Integris Health, and she has extensive experience in a wide range of health law issues, including, important for our discussion today, HIPAA, privacy, and security. So as I mentioned, she is a great source for answering these questions for myself and others within the firm, and obviously giving counsel and advice to our many clients in the Oklahoma uh, business community. I should say today's topic will sound pretty healthcare centric, but as we'll find, HIPAA has far reaching implications even outside of the healthcare field. So I think you all will enjoy this conversation as we learn more about HIPAA and some important changes that are coming down the pike and some hot developments that a lot of people are talking about. But Maggie, let's get started with some some fundamentals. Obviously, you spent a lot of time in the healthcare field. You've seen it from within the industry, and you've also now uh, handling it in private practice here at Crow and Dunleavy. But let's educate folks that might still be wondering, what is this HIPAA and what's it all about? Tell us what HIPAA is and why was it even created? Sure, Adam. So HIPAA stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. It was enacted back in 1996 and essentially is there to protect individually identifiable health information, what we also know as PHI or protected health information. So you will hear me talk about PHI as we go through this podcast, but HIPAA is there to protect that information as it's used and disclosed in the healthcare industry um, and in particularly electronic healthcare information. Okay, so you mentioned PHI, and I have heard that term, and mm-hmm. and I think it's pretty commonly used now in a lot of industries. So it sounds like there's a concentration within HIPAA on protecting PHI as it relates to privacy and to security, but there's a difference between the two. Is that right? Correct, yes. HIPAA is broken down into two parts, essentially, the Privacy Act and the Security Act. And so the Privacy Act oversees that use and disclosure of that PHI, 
The Security Act is more so looking at electronic PHI. So PHI that is shared within an electronic medical record or held on a laptop, devices of that sort. So tell me then why, um, you know, your average healthcare consumer and for that matter, employers and businesses around Oklahoma, why, why should they be concerned about HIPAA and the effect it could have on them? Well, for an individual, um, HIPAA impacts their own personal health information, how it's used and disclosed. So from a consumer's perspective, your healthcare provider maintains and stores that health information and HIPAA kind of controls how they use it, who they disclose it to, how you even as a patient can access it. And kind of from a community business standard, sometimes a business may be even what we call a business associate of a healthcare provider. So a business associate is essentially someone that uses that PHI to perform a function or some type of service for a healthcare provider. For example, you know, on a basic general term, it could be an electronic medical record software development company that's using that PHI to kind of develop and create that electronic medical record, or it could even be a bank that's using that PHI to provide a service for the healthcare provider. So it has far-reaching effects. Well, and that's a great point. I know in my own practice on the labor and employment side, you will have employers that have to maintain personal health information as part of confidential medical files. It can come up as part of the disability or leave of absence process. Sometimes that implicates HIPAA, sometimes it does not. But the point is, there's really hardly any place that doesn't impact on healthcare in some form or fashion. Is that a fair statement? Yes, I agree. That's a fair statement. And I, I guess I should ask you this too. I mean, obviously HIPAA has some consequences that go with it if you if you foul things up. Is that right? You're right. That's correct. So the Office for Civil Rights, the OCR, as we like to call them, does oversee and enforce HIPAA. And so anytime there's been a breach of that PHI, meaning that whomever is storing or holding or maintaining that PHI, if it gets inappropriately disclosed to the public or left on a train or stolen from someone's car and other people get access to that PHI, then the OCR is going to come in and they're going to enforce penalties. And typically they're pretty high. We're not talking hundreds of dollars. We're talking millions of dollars in penalties that are typically part of HIPAA breach enforcement. Which is exactly why I know our healthcare group is so immersed in putting together the most comprehensive and up-to-date policies and procedures for clients in the business community. Yeah, it's our goal to make sure our clients are protected and that we can do whatever we can to prevent those types of breaches from happening. Or in the event they do happen, because they do, we're there to help mitigate any damage and ensure that they can continue to move forward and continue to protect their patients' data. Well, I promised at the outset we'd have some hot topics today too. So now that we've kind of laid the groundwork for HIPAA. Let's talk about something that I think folks are hearing a lot about, and that's the idea of this COVID-19 vaccine passport. Tell us a little bit about what that is in concept and theory, and do you foresee that impacting on HIPAA in any manner? Yeah, so this vaccine passport has really been hot lately, and it's new, and there's not a lot we 
we know about it at this point because companies and the government are really looking at how do we create some sort of passport or certification system to show, yes, this individual has received the COVID vaccine and this is the proof that they have it. So the idea would be they literally have some sort of Mm -hmm. almost like a passport to get out of the United States, but they would show it to, I don't know, get it into a a Broadway show or go to a music event or, or any other place that, you know, that that was a, a barrier to entry. Right. Yeah. It's definitely used for travel, for entry into a concert, a Broadway show, uh, sporting events. And I think there's even been talk about using him to enter into restaurants and bars. And how many places can we actually use these passports and what businesses can rely upon them for knowing that patients have been or customers have been vaccinated? Well, and obviously this impacts on some serious political policy, moral, ethical issues. There's going to be a lot of argument about, you know, should you have to show papers to go do things that others, um, you know, can or cannot do? You know, does that create, you know, classes within our society? And and really, you know, what do you do about those who may have other barriers to receiving the vaccination. And I'll leave that for another discussion. It's obviously going to be hotly debated, but let's just talk for a moment about, I know personal health information is protected by HIPAA. So do you see a world in which a COVID-19 vaccine passport could be a violation of HIPAA? Well, first of all, yes, this does implicate a number of ethical concerns. And like you said, that's not a topic for us to get into today because there are a number of them and experts better than I are debating those ethical issues and those concerns. But from a HIPAA perspective and whether or not HIPAA is implicated because of a COVID vaccine, the answer is no. A patient or an individual, anyone can share their own personal health information, their PHI. So as an individual, whether or not I have the vaccine is is knowledge that I have the ability to share. That's not something that HIPAA controls. So HIPAA does control a healthcare provider, a healthcare insurer, but they're not controlling that individual who's releasing their health status. Fascinating. So really, it'll come down to a matter of personal choice. And then obviously, policy initiatives about whether or not private businesses can impose those sorts of barriers or, or requests for a vaccine passport. Well, stay tuned on that one. Uh, I, can, I can foresee that being a hot topic for uh, months, if not years to come. But there are other changes on the horizon for HIPAA, I believe. In fact, I think that there's been some uh, rulemaking changes that have been proposed. Tell us what's going on there, Maggie. Yeah, so HIPAA was enacted back in 2003, the privacy rule specifically. There have been some modifications to HIPAA over the years, but since 2003, we haven't had any significant changes. So back in January, a notice of proposed rulemaking was issued, basically saying, hey, we want to modify HIPAA, specifically the Privacy Act. These are the changes. They provided for a notice and comment period. That comment period has passed. So now we're just kind of waiting to see, you know, how the Department of Health and Human Services will will view those comments, if they'll make any changes to the proposed rule. But we do have some significant changes specifically to a patient's right to access their own PHI. So what will that change mean for 
a consumer and their access to PHI? Well, one of the first ones that it means is a patient always has a right to inspect a copy of their PHI, meaning they can physically go into the healthcare provider or the hospital and look at their medical record. One of the changes that's being proposed is a patient's ability to take a photo of that PHI. So for example, let's say you're getting an X-ray or an MRI or you're receiving a sonogram. One of the new changes gives you the right to actually take a photo of that result during the exam. You can share it with your spouse, share it with whomever you want. But as the patient, this new proposed rule gives you the right to actually photo, take photos and inspect more further your own PHI. So I can see the convenience that would be for a society that is wholly dependent on our smartphones and our ability to take picture and video of almost anything on demand. But I could possibly say how this could be a further complication for employers and specifically, you know, hospitals where there's some pretty tight rules about what can be taken pictures of and what can be recorded. Sounds like that would be something that would need to be addressed through policy if that rule comes into effect. Right. That's correct. Most hospitals have very strict photo policies, especially because they want to avoid anyone taking a picture of maybe another patient in the background or another patient's PHI. Also, staff members in the hospital have a right to say, I don't want to be in that photo. And so that's something that needs to be considered via policy. And as always, we're always here ready and willing to help you revise those policies once these rules become final. Yeah, I'm just thinking through like, what would happen if, uh, you know, somebody said, I'd love to have a picture of this take home. I don't have my phone on me. And they ask the nurse that's standing there, could you take a picture and send it to me on my phone? And then later they say, oh, I didn't want them taking that picture. I mean, in other words, there's a lot of complications right. that can happen from <laughs> yes. a simple idea that's meant to be a convenience in furtherance of a consumer's rights. Right. There are a lot of things to consider and, and, and a number of implications. It will be interesting to see if HHS actually finalizes this proposed rule. Well, stay tuned, all of our uh, faithful listeners, because we've got Maggie and all those within our healthcare department closely watching to see how that rulemaking process turns out and what impact it'll have for the Oklahoma and regional business community. So it's been a a fascinating look into HIPAA and uh, hot topics and changes on the horizon, but I don't want to finish my time here today on Briefly Legal without also spending some time in that segment I like to call Get to Know That Crow. And I've got Maggie here with me today, and we do work together and enjoy one another's company, but I learned something about her today that I didn't know that I wanted to give her a chance to share, and that is that although she is a self-described notorious black thumb when it comes to outdoor plants, I hear that you've made a real change when it comes to your indoor plants and you've got a new game plan and you're turning a new leaf, as it were. So tell us uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I guess I'm a self-described plant mom now. Maybe that's the way what you would call it. I didn't it. even know it was a thing, but now it is. It is. <laughs> so, yeah, I've recently become really into my houseplants and have purchased a number of them. And surprisingly, I'm keeping them alive. Not only that, 
but they're actually growing and thriving and getting more leaves, which is really fun to watch. So um, my kids make fun of me and have been teasing me about it. And we've named a few of the plants. So I think that maybe helps them grow better. I don't know. I've heard you, you've even taken to using an app to make sure that yeah. you uh, water them timely and take care of them the right I, way. I have this new app called Plant In. It's amazing. Of course, I had to pay for it and I'm a sucker. So I did it because <laughs> I, you know, I want to excel at this and I don't want my family to laugh at me and like, tell me I'm a failure because I've killed the plants yet again. So, you know, paying for the app has been well worth it. Well worth it. Now you raised the issue. So I'm going to have to ask, you said you actually taken to naming them. Give me a couple of the names of these. So our snake plant is Mr. Snape, obviously, because oh, it's a snake plant. Harry Potter reference. Yes, Harry Potter reference. Big fan. And then we have a ponytail palm. Her name is Belissa. My kids named that one. So (laughs) there's nothing quite like the names that are given to uh, plants or animals uh, by by our uh, beloved young ones. Well, that's excellent. Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of insight into your personal life. We already knew that you were uh, an expert when it comes to healthcare, But now I know if I've got houseplant issues, I can uh, put you on my emergency dial as well. Hey, thanks. Well, that wraps up another podcast of Briefly Legal brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. It's been a wonderful time spent with Maggie Martin today talking about that current state of HIPAA and what people should know about uh, the security of their healthcare information. I want to remind everyone to follow Crow and Dunleavy and this podcast on uh, the various social platforms where you can find links to it on LinkedIn, Twitter, as well as Facebook. And that's a wrap for today. So I'm your host, Adam Childers, and we look forward to meeting you again next time on Briefly Legal.